God, you are just so much better than us. You are just so good that you would send your son, that you would send Jesus to save us. And Lord, I pray that as we are living in this world, that we would not conform to it, but Lord, transform us. Transform us by the renewal of our minds this morning. Lord, I pray that right now we can, we can engage with your word, engage with what you have to say about us and what you have to say about Jesus and what he does with us. Holy Spirit, convict us and bring us your truth. Not Tyler's truth, yours. We love you and we praise you. It's your son Jesus' name we pray and all of God's people said, amen. Awesome. I don't know about you, but... I forget things really easily, okay? Um, I've got to be honest, my brain works at a solid, like, 35% of the time, like, most of the time. Um, I work in the restaurant industry. I know you can, you can pray for me. Um, it, it's a little bit rough at times, and I get, uh, I get just get requests, and I get tasks uh, to do nonstop throughout the day, right? I mean, every job has that, but in the restaurant, it's a, it's a little bit different. Um, sometimes I'll take tables. I manage over at Joe Miner. Um, sometimes I'll take tables if I need to, and if you've ever worked in a restaurant, if you've ever served, you know this. You will go to those tables, you bring out their food, they've been waiting patiently for it, you bring it out and you say, is there anything else I can get for you? And they say, a little bit of ranch would be great. So you're like, great, I'll be right back. You go get the ranch, <laughs> you grab it, you walk, uh, okay, so the rest, the Old Miner Steakhouse is a quite large restaurant, it's all the way in the back, so you walk all the way back, grab the ranch, and you're coming back, you, you bring it to them, you say, is there anything else I can get for you? You say, maybe refill my Coke. That'd be great. You grab it and you bring it back all the way to the back of the restaurant, okay? You refill it. You bring it back and you say, is there, is there anything else that I can get for you? Maybe some barbecue sauce. Okay, I'll bring you some barbecue sauce. Um, is there anything else on top of the barbecue sauce that I can grab you? You bring it. You bring everything back. And then they need another thing, right? And, and so um, before you know it, you're training for this triathlon that I never signed up for, okay? Because I've been doing so much walking back and forth. Um, and just a fair warning, if you go to a restaurant, ask for everything at the same time. It's so much easier that way. It's great. Um, and, and so I'll get up, and this is just one table, right? You have like three or four at the same time. And, and so I get caught up bringing uh, all this stuff to this, this one table. But I have other guests that I'm doing this as well with. And I'll forget to bring the side of barbecue sauce, okay? Um, I, like, I don't forget and then bring it five or ten minutes late. No, I wake up two weeks later <laughs> sweating, thinking those people are still waiting for that barbecue sauce. <laughs> it, it's, it's crazy. When you work in a restaurant, you dream about restaurants, and it's just insane. Like, oh, my gosh, I forget his iced tea. Oh, no. Um, but some, I forget stuff really easy. I mean, if everybody does, right? Sometimes I forget people's names, and I apologize if I've ever done that with you. Um, I forget to shut the garage door when I leave the house. That one's bad. That's a bad move. Don't, I'm not going to give you my address just in case that ever happens again. Um, I forget groceries in the car. Uh, that's also bad. So, so when I was preparing for this morning, I asked Quincy, um, what are the things that I forget to do? Um, and so husbands, I, don't ask that question. It'll get you into a corner that you just can't get out of, okay? It, it, it's fun. It was like, you'd be amazed at how quick and how vast that list was. I was like, hold on. I only need like two or three things that I forget. She was just going on and on. And it's, it, it's uh, valid. So um, 
All right, I hope you're at Romans 12 by this point. That was like a pretty good buffer, I suppose. So um, Romans 12, verses 1 through 2. Let's get going. Okay, all right. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual act of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. That's awesome. So it says, I appeal therefore. Okay, here's an um, easy Bible reading tip that I, I just recently learned. When you see therefore, remember it's there for a reason, okay? When you see therefore, ask what's it there for? Okay, you want to look at what is before the therefore in order to understand what follows it. So Paul is now in this verse making an appeal. And so an appeal is like this urgent request. It's a plea. He is begging us to listen up. He is um, begging us to pay attention, to, to open up our ears, to put down our phones, to listen up. He is saying, if you have been listening to me so far through this entire book, through this epistle, this is what I am leading up to. And so in the first 11 chapters of Romans, I want to do a quick walkthrough of that. Um, you're going to see on the handouts, there's a bunch of verses through Romans, and I don't have like 10 points for each because we don't have uh, the, the amount of time to do that. I just want to go through them really quick. Um, so what we're going to see is that Paul, he's laying out the saving work of Jesus Christ. He is staring at the death. He's staring at the, the burial and the resurrection of Jesus, and he's giving us insight on what that means um, first to the Jews, as well as the Gentiles. Like what it means for Jesus to have to die, why he died, what it means for Jesus to resurrect, the depth of the gospel, the good news. Romans is just one of those books that will challenge you so deeply. It will get you to think of the depth and the richness of the gospel in ways that you never have. So let's just look at a few key verses in the chapters, and while I do this, just look at how Paul's developing his argument. I, it's amazing what what comes out of this. I'm just going to start um, chapter 1, verse 1. I'm just kidding. I'm not going to do every verse. Uh, chapter 1, verse 16. Um, it reads this. Woo! Okay. It says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. He's saying it is the power of of God alone for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jews first and also to the Greek, okay? And, and so that's his first argument. He's saying, I'm not ashamed of this Jesus. I, I'm not ashamed of this gospel. It is amazing. It is his power. He is the one that does it. It's to the Jews as well as the Gentiles, um, you and me, unless you're Jewish in here, which I love you, and I'm so glad you're here. Um, but most of us are Gentiles, right? Not Jews. <laughs> um, so l let's look at the next verse. It, in Romans 3, 21 through um, 24, it says, But now the righteousness of God has been manifested, been made real apart from the law, been made into a person apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, they knew Jesus was coming. They knew this righteousness was coming, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. He is putting everybody on the same playing field. 
He's saying the Jews are no better than the Gentiles, for the grace of God is the same for both of them now, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Justified. We are made right to God by his grace. Okay? By his grace. And so chapter 5, 1 through 2, therefore, so we have another one. Therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. He's building on the last verse he just said. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. We have also obtained access by faith, right? And, and then I'm going to go to chapter 8, verse 1. And with this access, this access, this is what happens. There is therefore, again, therefore, since all of these things are true, since you are justified before God, since Jesus Christ was made manifest, since he came and died and was resurrected, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So, so what does that look like? Well, it looks like this in chapters eight, um, in chapter eight, verse sixteen through seventeen. It says, "The Spirit Himself, God's own Spirit, bears witness with our spirit that what that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and fellow heirs with Christ." He is saying, "Since all of these things are true, and you are therefore now not condemned." Under Jesus' authority, this means you are secure, that you are his child, that he is protecting you, that you are the heir to the kingdom. And so if we are that secure in Jesus, um, in the last part of chapter 8, he goes into just how secure. And this is one of my favorite verses, if you guys haven't noticed. I've used it probably every time I preach. Um, it says that this is how secure we are. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers nor height nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so why would God do all of this? Why would he make this salvation available to everybody? He goes through in the next few chapters and he lays out God's intentions um, with the Jews and God's intentions with the rest of the world. And I would think that the people reading this 2,000 years ago would have asked, why does God want to save people that have never cared about him? Like, the Israelites are saying, like, we have cared about you. I mean, I forget about all the times we didn't care about you, but we have cared about you. And yet these people don't. You want to save them, God. What is going on? So why does God want to save people that never cared about him? And Paul responds with this, and it's the last verse before we get to our passage. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable are his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord, or who has been his counselor? 
or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid. For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. So why does God want to save people that never cared about him? Because he wants to. That's what he wants to do. He wants to save people that have never cared about him. That is why. Because he wants to. We're going to go right back into the verse that he started with. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, just like these are, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. And so do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. That is Paul's appeal. And so there's two phrases that I want to look at this morning. The first is present your bodies as a living sacrifice and transform by the renewal of your mind. So the second has to happen before the first happens. What I mean is that we must be transformed by the renewal of our minds before we can live sacrificial lives. And for us to be transformed by the renewal of our minds, we must be set free from our past ways of thinking. In particular, we must be set free from our destructive thoughts. That's what I want to talk about for this morning. That was about a 20-minute, 15-minute intro. I think that's a record. (laughs) Set free from destructive thoughts. And so, like I mentioned earlier, my mind is, is far from perfect. Quincy can attest to that um, quite well. I, and if I, I am able and I am prone to mess up in those little ways, I am just as much able, I'm just as much prone to mess up in bigger ways because the, the thing is, is that there's a deeper issue going on in here. There's a deeper issue going on in here. Um, God's word says that my natural inclination is to flee from him to flee from him, to build up my kingdom, to make a name out of myself, and, and to take hold of whatever satisfied my whatever satisfies my needs, right? Our minds are not by nature God-worshipping minds. They are by nature self-worshipping minds. And so the question is, do my thoughts seek to elevate and to bring praise to God, or do they seek to elevate and bring praise to myself. Let me put it like this. Have you ever um, been in an argument with your spouse, with your girlfriend, with your friend? Um, yes, everybody. Okay, so just check yes. Um, if you haven't, I, uh, you're lying. So uh, you have been in an argument before. Uh, you think you are right in the argument. Otherwise, your blood pressure wouldn't be so high, right? And, and so you think you're right, and you think they are wrong, and you want to change their mind So they agree with you, right? And and so it's simple stuff. Now, in that moment, regardless of who is right, 
you're still going to make a fool out of yourself because you're, you're pouting, you're, you're bringing up other parts of your lives as ammunition to prove that you were right all along. And, and now if you're acting like that, you were probably wrong in the first place, right? Um, but if you're acting like that, uh, if you brought something up as like five years ago to your spouse, like that's a shallow move. Like <laughs> just don't even do it. Uh, it's not worth it. Um, but God doesn't work like this. First of all, he is right. What he says is always true, but he doesn't lead with that. No, he leads with reconciliation, putting things back together the way they were meant to be. And when, when Quincy and I first started dating, it was a few months in, uh, and I mean, it was something minor. We probably like disagreed on, I don't know what it was about, but it was almost immediately that she mentioned that her dad always told her to ask herself, is it better to be right or is it better to be reconciled? And in that situation, is it better to be right or is it better to be reconciled? I definitely married Zach, so that was, that was a smooth move um, to, to get into that sort of wisdom. Um, reconciliation is so much better. But in our minds, we want to be right. We want to glorify ourselves. That's, that's by nature what we want. It all starts with our minds. It all starts with our thoughts. And I'm going to, here in a second, I'm just going to list some destructive thoughts or maybe destructive thought patterns. And, and they are listed on the bottom of your worksheet. Um, if you have in the past, or if you're currently thinking them, or you know it's a reoccurring thought in your life, um, maybe just check next to it or circle it or underline it. Um, you don't, I mean, if you're uncomfortable doing that now next to the person you're sitting to, um, just get the crumbled up worksheet in your pocket and uncrumble it, okay, and then do it later. Um, however you do it, I'm just going to say them. I'm going to give you a second to think about each one of them. We're going to start with this, with fear. Do you think, like, what if something bad happens to me again? What if something bad happens to me again? Is it worth Is it worth staying? What if something bad happens to me again? What about anger? Everything in my life is an inconvenience and I just can't stand it anymore. Like I am just so fed up with how busy I am, with what is ever is going on in my life. I can't stand it anymore. I'm just angry at everything. Could be lust. Maybe you've thought, if I just get rid of this pleasure right now, this time, maybe next time I'll be strong enough to resist it. If, if I just, okay, I'll just, I'll just watch porn now. Uh, I, I just can't help it right now. But next time I'm going to be stronger. Doubt. God, where are you? Are you even there? Are you, are you even doing anything in my life? Could be insecurity. What if, what if people around me think different about me because of whatever, because of this? Could be your self-image. I'm not as skinny as I want to be. I, I, I'm not as strong as I want to be. That could be one of the most destructive things for us. 
what about this? Why can't he or why can't she be better? Why can't, why can't they be nicer? Why can't they just be more faithful? Why can't they be prettier? Or why can't they be a better leader? I wish this. I, I want that. Why can't they? What about Jesus? He's just a good moral teacher, right? Of other, uh, a bunch of other moral teachers that I kind of respect. I like to follow them, you know? It's, it's my own thing, you know? I can kind of customize my religion. He's just a great moral teacher. Destructive. I had just a little bit more money. Just a little bit more, then I'll be set. Maybe I need another hobby to make me happy. That'll do it. That'll definitely do it. Or if I don't have this in my life, Life's not worth living at all. (laughs) I am right. You are wrong. Or I love this person. I could see us one day getting married. So why, why why really wait for sex? Why would we? I love them. not sex it's probably okay this one came a lot up a lot in my life not drinking and partying means me losing most of my friends i know but i know that jesus loves me but i know that god has a plan for me but this. I know that I should follow him, but this is a short list. And it was way too easy for me to make. You could probably keep on going. I know I could. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. It's going to take a miracle for us to be set free from these thoughts. I've tried to set myself free from a lot of these thoughts. It will have to take a miracle, but luckily God is the best at miracles. It says that we need to be transformed. And when I think of transformed, um, well, I'm a nerd, so I think of transformers. So um, I think of like Autobots, I think of Decepticons, Bumblebee, Megatron, all those guys, right? Um, and, and when I think about how they were once just some like old car or truck, and then they shift, they morph, they expand, uh, they move around, and they turn into these giant like mecha humans, giants, looks kind of like a person. Um, they just look different now. Okay, so um, they just look like a person. It's not as amazing when you think of it that way. They're still cool or whatever, but they just shift into something that looks different. If you were to take a toaster and and turn it into a shape of a dog, it's still a toaster, right? And it just can't do what a toaster should be doing. Um, It's, think of it this way. If you take a sinner and you give it good deeds, you give them a pretty, happy-go-lucky life, they're still a sinner. 
It takes a miraculous transformation for God to take that sinner and to make them an actual child of God from the inside out. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is what? A new creation. The old has passed away, but behold, the new has come. It has come. And if we look at the word transform in the, the Greek manuscript, it's the word uh, metamorpho'o, okay? And it's, I love this word. This has two word words. Uh, it's meta and morpho'o. And morpho'o means to form, to shape, to, to change. And then meta can be uh, translated to after being with, okay? After being with. And so if we kind of just break this down in this context, we can get it um, to, to say changed after being with. It doesn't mean changed after trying enough. It doesn't mean changed after praying enough. It doesn't mean change after doing enough. It means that we are changed after being with who? With Jesus. We are changed by being with Jesus. We are transformed by Jesus by being with Jesus. Our minds are transformed by Jesus by being with Jesus, by Jesus forming us and moving in us by him actually being with us. Do you know that he is with us? This is the message of the gospel, that he would humble himself to become like us so, so that we might become like him. He trades with us his right standing with God for our brokenness and our sin, and, and he takes it to the cross on our behalf. And when we obtain that right standing with God, that's our justification. We are justified by his works on our behalf, not ours, not our works, but his works on the cross. So when we step into faith, we are, we are shaped. When you step into this faith, when we are justified, we become to start being shaped and molded and formed into a better person, a, Christ, a better Christian. No. Into his likeness. Our hearts begin to look like his heart. Our thoughts begin to look like his thoughts. This is sanctification. This is God sanctifying us, renewing us, and transforming us. And it says he does it first by the renewal of our minds. We started by looking at the context of the first part of the book of Romans. This is, this is why we did that. We mentioned that the first part was to show us who Jesus was, what he did um, what it meant for him to go and die on the cross, what it meant for him to be resurrected on the third day, and what it means for the believer. And, and what is so amazing is that if Paul were to just stop right there at the end of chapter 11, 
If that were the end of Paul's argument, we would simply know a whole bunch of stuff about this Jesus that has a lot to do with everyone else in the world except for me, except for the actual personal believer. Because we would know he can do all these things, but we wouldn't know how he's going to do those things in our lives. But Paul gives us this passage that says, because you are justified by grace through faith, first 11 chapters, you will live sacrificially, verse 1 of 12, because you are transformed by the renewal of your mind, verse 2. And so the only part we haven't covered yet is the part where we live sacrificially. Because if we aren't transformed by the renewal of our minds, We don't have a reason to live sacrificially. But if we are, in fact, transformed by the renewal of our minds, if we are, in fact, set free from destructive thoughts in our lives, then the thoughts we have should cause us to be so bold in our faith and to sacrifice everything. Paul says, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. How does that work? You're alive, but you're dying, or do you have to die to be alive? No, no, no. This is the language of worship to the Old Testament ear, okay? When the Israelites would come before God, they knew that blood had to be shed as an offering. They knew that, and at the heart of their sacrifices, they knew that sin demanded punishment and that the animals that they were bringing to the altar were just substitutes, right? it, It was a representation of God's willingness to accept a substitute that the worship, so that the worshipers might live and breathe and have a relationship and have forgiveness from God. But even the Old Testament believers knew that the blood of goats, they knew that the blood of the bulls could not actually take away sin. The animals pointed to a Messiah, a future Christ. Paul said, 1 Corinthians 5, 7, Christ, for Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. That was the final sacrifice for sin. It is the one sacrifice that actually did something about it. Jesus went to the cross as a substitute for our sin, and it worked. So, so when Paul says that our worship is to present our bodies as a sacrifice, he does not mean that we die and atone for our own sins. He means that we put to death our former selves when Jesus died on the cross and put on a new life built on Jesus' sacrifice. To put to death our former ways of thinking and to put on new ways of thinking. Listen, listen carefully to how Paul puts it to the, uh, the Ephesians. But that is not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. And to be renewed in the what? The spirit of your minds and to put on then the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Again, we are renewed in our minds before we put on our new self, before we are sanctified, before we 
are growing into Christ's likeness. And so before we live out Jesus' perfect sacrifice, instead of us sacrificing in the sense of giving up to God our best selves or our best prayers or our best acts, he just says, stop and let me do all of the heavy lifting for you. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. And because of that, it is no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in this flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. We present our lives as living sacrifices by having Christ live in us. It says to have Christ live in us, not the world. It says do not be conformed to the world. Don't be conformed to what culture is telling you. In fact, it tells us the exact opposite. Culture tells us the exact opposite. It's going to tell us that we have this power of positive thinking. We have this motivation in and of ourselves to live our best lives. It's going to tell us that um, only you have the power to change your life. It's so against what Scripture says. The world is like water. It just comes, it goes, and it moves where it's most convenient. Whatever agenda is the most loud, culture is behind it. Whatever movement is moving the most, culture is behind it. Don't let the world tell you what to think. Because here's the deal, it will change, and the truth you once stood on is going to be debunked by another generation of truth. Because it's going to change. Isaiah 40, verse 8 says, The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. It will stand forever. And, and listen, I've, I've listed a bunch of Bible verses. I've said a bunch of things. Uh, and, and some of this stuff is it's overwhelming. It's confusing. But I just I, I want you to hear me out right now. Before you um, get to the scripture and if you do devotion, which I pray that this causes you to do that, that I, I pray that you want to look into Romans, test what I am saying, read the scriptures, um, look into justification, look into sanctification. But before you get to that, Listen up. Before you were born, Jesus knew you. He knew when he would draw you in, and he knew when you were going to press into him. And listen. He knew the pain and the suffering that you have had to experience that led you to this point in your life, because he did experience it all on the cross too. And he knew that there was nothing that you and I could do to pull ourselves out of the sin that is sucking the life out of us. He knew he had to go to the cross as our substitute. And just like Paul, we cannot stop this. If you truly understand the depth of the gospel, who Jesus is, the good news, then you just can't stop this. Your life has to become a living and breathing testament to the good news that has changed your life. I pray that happens to you. That your life is a living, breathing testament and sacrificial 
life? My friend, make those your thoughts. Replace your destructive thoughts with God-centered thinking. So that your actions will be God-centered actions. And if you're thinking right now, man, I've, I've never done that, okay? I have heard the gospel before, but, but I have always had this anxious worry that maybe it's just too intense. Maybe it's too serious for me. I mean, I don't struggle that much with this stuff. I feel like I'm always like really close to giving my entire life to Christ, but uh, something's always keeping me from taking that step. And so my question for you is, what are you waiting for? What, what are you waiting for? God is calling you to trust him. He's, he's got you. He's got your life. He will not fail you. And when God calls us to trust in him, he is not like some controlling parent that always demands for you to just do it, to just trust me or else, to just do what I say. No, when he calls us to trust him, he gives us the reason to trust him. He gives us every single reason to trust him. He is loving. He is trustworthy. And then at that point, at that point when he says do this or do that for, it's for, your, for your own good and it's for my glory, we can say, of course. Are you kidding? Why wouldn't I? <laughs> Why wouldn't I do these things to bring you praise? Will you trust him? And if you want to do that right now, I will pray with you. Uh, I, I'm going to walk through it with you. And I'm going to pray and close this up here in a second. We're going to, while we're singing and while we're worshiping Jesus, I, I, I will pray with you. Cherie in the back would love to pray with you. Pam and Edward and Josh and Amanda, they would love to pray with you. Um, to walk alongside you. Because that's what we're here for. That's what, what we're doing here is, is going to Jesus together. So let, let's pray. Lord Jesus, it is such good news that there's nothing that we could have done to earn your love. I'm so glad that I know that now as opposed to later on. Because, God, I want to have a life that is dedicated to bringing you praise for what you have done. And, God, I pray right now that, that each and every one of us can see what you have done. To see what you are calling us to live in. You're not demanding us to do these things. You're calling us to do them with you and have you do them through us. God, you have never failed us. And for that, we praise you. And Lord, I pray for, for anybody with struggling hearts right now, struggling minds, whether it's depression, anxiety, wh whatever it is. You know them. And you love them. Lord, I pray they know that. 
Lord, however you use us, use us mightily. Be yours to be the king.